Welcome to the BreastCancer.org podcast, the podcast that brings you the latest information on breast cancer research, treatments, side effects, and survivorship issues through expert interviews, as well as personal stories from people affected by breast cancer. Here's your host, BreastCancer.org Senior Editor, Jamie DiPolo. Hello, thanks for listening. I'm podcasting at the 2022 San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium. I'm joined by Dr. Virginia Kaklamani, Professor of Medicine in the Division of Hematology slash Oncology at UT Health San Antonio, who leads the breast cancer program at the UT Health San Antonio MD Anderson Cancer Center. At this conference, she presented the latest results from the Emerald Trial which compared the experimental medicine alicestron with the standard of care of either Faslodex or an aromatase inhibitor for postmenopausal women diagnosed with metastatic estrogen receptor positive HER2 negative breast cancer that had grown on earlier treatments with a hormonal therapy medicine or a CDK46 inhibitor. Dr. Kaklamani, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So first, could you explain what type of medicine alicestron is and how it works? Absolutely. So alicestron is a new class of medicine which are oral drugs, and they are CERTs, meaning a selective estrogen receptor downregulator. So in a sense, it's similar to fulvestrans because that is a CERT as well, but fulvestrans is an intramuscular injection, whereas alicestron is an oral injection. Okay, so that's a plus in my mind. That's a plus for patients if it's oral, correct? So, that, so that is a plus in my mind as well, and I think for our patients too. So how these drugs work is they basically destroy the estrogen receptor. They don't allow it to, to be present, and if we don't have the estrogen receptor, then the estrogen cannot use the receptor to send signals to the cancer cells. Okay, great. Now, could you briefly sort of summarize the study for us? What, what did you want to see? Absolutely. So the Emerald trial was a phase three clinical trial that compared elicestrant with a standard of care endocrine therapy, which was either fulvestrant or an aromatase inhibitor, depending on what endocrine therapy the patient had received previously. On the trial, every patient had to have received a CDK46 inhibitor at some point, and their cancer had to have progressed on that CDK46 inhibitor. And what we're trying to see was, is elicestron better than standard of care endocrine therapy, not only in the whole patient population, but also in patients whose tumors have mutations in the estrogen receptor. Okay, and the results showed that elicestron offered better progression-free survival than the standard of care correct. And I want, also want to ask this kind of a two-part question. Um, the effectiveness of alicestrant seemed to be related to how long the cancers were treated with a CDK46 inhibitor. Am I understanding that correctly? That is correct. So the, the trial that was initially presented last year showed that the two primary endpoints of the trial that were progression-free survival in the whole patient population and progression-free survival in the patients that had tumors with ESR1 mutations was superior in the elisostrand arm compared to the standard of care endocrine therapy arm. Now, this year, what we looked at was how long had a patient been on a CDK46 inhibitor before they joined the Emerald trial? And is that length of treatment related to how well elisostrand is going to work later on? And the answer is yes, it is. So the longer the patient had been on a CDK46 inhibitor, the longer they were on elisostrand, and the benefit was even longer. 
That's very interesting. Now, I want, I want to back up a little bit and talk about the ESR1 mutations. Why is that important to know that allocestrant works on those particular type of cancers? So patients that have tumors with ESR1 mutations tend to have more endocrine-resistant tumors. And so we know that aromatase inhibitors usually don't work very well in patients with ESR1 mutations, and probably fulvestrin doesn't either. But from the phase one clinical trial that we performed on allocestrant, we found that this drug is active even in cancers that have ESR1 mutations. And I think that's where you see the bigger difference favoring alsastron compared to standard of care therapy. Okay, and before I get on to ask about side effects, I do want to ask, I mean, it's interesting to me that alsastron was more effective the longer there was CDK4-6 inhibitor treatment. So, I mean, it almost seems like you would go as long as you possibly could on a CDK4-6 inhibitor and then move to alicestron, or I, but I'm not a researcher, so what, what does it mean? So tumors, initially, if they're estrogen positive, some of them have primary resistance, which means that they really, the, these endocrine therapies don't work. And some of them develop resistance later on, which we call it secondary resistance. If cancers are endocrine resistant, then typically endocrine therapy doesn't work very well. But one of the methods of endocrine resistance is the buildup of these ESR1 mutations. So when we see ESR1 mutations, we realize that these tumors tend to be endocrine resistant. But how do we capture that if we don't do any genomic tests to find an ESR1 mutation? And one way to capture it is by seeing how long treatment with a CDK4-6 inhibitor lasted for. If that treatment only lasted for six months, these cancers are endocrine resistant, and these patients really should go on to get, receive chemotherapy because we need to get some sort of response. But if the, the CDK4-6 inhibitor therapy lasted for 18 months, 24 months, and those are probably endocrine-sensitive tumors, then instead of exposing that patient to chemotherapy after progression, maybe we can give them a single-agent endocrine therapy. And in this study, we found that we can. Okay. Now, side effects. Um, were there differences between alicestron and the standard of care? So side effects were actually pretty mild in both groups. Okay. There was a little bit more degree of nausea, but that nausea was grade one or grade two in the alisastrid arm. But interestingly, more patients on an aromatase inhibitor used an anti-emetic compared to the patients on alisastrid. So 10% of patients on an aromatase inhibitor used an anti-emetic compared to 8% on alisastrid. So overall, the side effects were, were mild rated as grade one and grade two. And, and I think this is overall, if it does get approved by the FDA, the FDA is looking at this data right now, uh, this will be a, a relatively good treatment for our patients. Okay. And that was, you must have divined my next question is, so what does this mean if I'm a postmenopausal woman, I'm diagnosed with metastatic estrogen receptor positive, HER2 negative disease, and it's grown while I've received my first line treatments? Um, you know, how are you talking to your patients about this? Do you, I mean, obviously the FDA never tells anybody when they plan to approve anything, but, you know, do you see this in the near future? Are we talking years? What, what, how are you talking to your patients about this? So, well, the FDA fast-tracked it, so oh, they will okay. give us an answer by, I think, the 17th of, the, of uh, February, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, and the answer could be, yes, we're approving it. No, we're not approving it. Yes, we're approving it in a certain patient population. So that's up to them to decide. But based on the data from Emerald and assuming this drug does get approved, I would be using it as a second-line therapy in my patients that I still believe have endocrine-sensitive disease. Okay. Dr. Kalkamani, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the BreastCancer.org podcast. 
please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. To share your thoughts about this or any episode, email us at podcast at breastcancer.org or leave feedback on the podcast episode landing page on our website. And remember, you can find a lot more information about breast cancer at breastcancer.org. And you can connect with thousands of people affected by breast cancer by joining our online community.